1: My shine. Oh, oh, in my church, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, in my church, I'm gonna let it shine. Oh, in my church, yes, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let it shine. I'm gonna let it shine, there's no hope in my school, I'm gonna let it shine, no hope in my school, I'm gonna let it shine, no I'm let it shine. i oh, let it shine. i going let it shine. Light light. let it shine. Let it shine. I'm going <speaking> to let it, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. let it shine.
2: I'm a
1: child. She's Jesus, Jesus, She's O a I'm Jesus,
2: Brother Robert, if you could send me a note within the notes, (laughs) the notes that you sent me after the sermon, if you could include uh, that I need to make a sign. But on the window, that that says Church Services in Session. Church Services in Session. I need to make a sign put on the window during worship services that says that. Church Services in Session. Thank you very much. Now let's go to page number 11. Page 11 in the traditional Worship music songbook, page 11. Oh, I want to see him. Me, King,
1: dark be the night. I more close to home, he forgive me right. you will Oh, I want to see on
2: Let's go to page 18. One last song. Page number 18 before the sermon. This is "What a Day, What a Glorious Day." That will be. This song all, almost always makes me cry. So, oh, mess. All right, page 18.
1: Wild in the sky, no more tears for him to die. All his teeth are evermore,
2: on that happy golden shore.
1: What a day, glorious day. What a day that will be When my Jesus flashed me And I look upon His face The one saved me by His grace When He takes me by the hand And we
2: Man. What a day!
1: day that will be! be no sorrow there, no more hurt, no no more tears, no pain. No more party over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day,
2: glorious day,
1: that will be, what a day. That will be when my Jesus is revealed, and I will look upon His face, the one who saved me by His grace, when He takes me by the hand and leads me through. walking to that
2: 15. Day 15. to go in prayer as I pull the electronics over here closer to me praise Jesus Let's go in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, praise your holy name. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. Thank you for this spiritual food that we are about to consume. Thank you, Father, that you have allotted us more time to repent. Mercy and grace upon us. Thank you, Father, for not giving up on us. Thank you for not forsaking us. Thank you for continuing and continuing and continuing your long suffering and your patience with us, Lord. Giving us another chance. Praise your holy name. Father, we ask, Lord, that you have your way in this service today. Pray, Lord, that you speak through me and help me to speak forth only your word and not mine. Please deliver us all from all deception, show us the light, show us the truth, deliver us from evil, preserve us and keep us, Lord, as your people, so that not only that we may be saved, but rather also that we may continue to witness to others and share your word, your light, your truth, your spirit to the world, so that all would have an opportunity to hear your word. And repent and be saved themselves. But we know that you're not willing for any man to perish, but for all to come to everlasting life. If they would just surrender to you and accept goodness, righteousness, and truth and justice, and repent of their evil ways. Take up the tree of life, and completely, completely abstain from the false knowledge. And false wisdom of this world and choosing for their own selves between good and right, good and wrong, and trust you about your word, believe in you, truly believe in you, and trust in you for what is right and what is wrong. You are God. You are Lord. You are the Almighty. You are our Savior, our Redeemer. and so evermore and so you, in Jesus' name, amen. Praise Jesus. Let's start in the book of Esther chapter 1 and if you have the five-volume edition of the Alpha and Omega Bible that would be in the book of history volume 2 and for the people that might be joining us for the first time we are reading from a translation called the Alpha and Omega Bible which is a restoration of the original scriptures using various manuscripts including the Dead Sea Scrolls Codex Sinicatus, Codex Alexandrinus, Codex Anacatus, different codexes, manuscripts, and scrolls to restore the original scriptures as much as is possible within us today with the help of the Spirit of God. Esther chapter 1 is where we're going to start. We'll give everybody time to get there. And the title of today's message is Moving Forward. <clears throat> Moving Forward. Today is the 17th day of the 12th month in the Almighty's calendar. In His calendar, His calendar is the sun, the moon, the stars, the constellations, planets, all of creation is His calendar, the sun dial of time. Not in the Roman Catholic calendar, but in his calendar, it is the 17th day of the 12th month. Moving forward, we just got done with uh, celebrating PERM on March 20th and the 21st. And PERM is a remembrance, a memorial, and celebration that God gave the victory against the Iranian evil prince. He was going to slaughter in a mass genocide, the Jews, on Paran, but God turned it around because his people fasted and prayed. Amen. His people fasted and prayed for deliverance. God heard their prayers and turned the situation around. And rather than the genocide of the Jews, it was the evil Iranian prince that was killed instead and his family entire, including 10 sons. But not only is it the memorial of the past, but it's a reminder of God's faithfulness and his power and his ability to deliver, and his promise to give us the ultimate victory in the end against not only Satan, but also the Iranian, Syrian prince of our day and time, the son of perdition, the one that most people call the Antichrist. And we know that there are many, many, many different personal interpretations, many personal different beliefs about who the son of perdition or the Antichrist is. But we have no entitlement to our personal opinion or a personal belief about scripture or prophecy or the identity of the son of perdition. We either choose the truth or we don't choose the truth. It's that simple. We have no entitlement to our personal opinion belief We either believe and trust God in his word or the devil. And that's the only two choices. Not a third choice of my opinion or a fourth choice of your opinion. Amen. It all comes down to the truth or lie, one or the other. And the scriptures say very clearly that he is, the son of perdition would be the Assyrian. The Assyrian, the Assyrian, the Assyrian. Scripture says it over and over and over. Isaiah 10, Isaiah 11, Micah. Throughout Scripture, it talks about the king of Assyria and the Assyrian in the context of the Great Tribulation and the context of God, when Jesus comes, will destroy the Assyrian by the breath of his mouth and by his coming, the brightness of his coming. Paul even quoted those verses in Isaiah concerning the Assyrian when referring to the end-time son of perdition. there can be no debate about this. The Bible says it's the Assyrian. You either believe the Bible or you don't believe the Bible. The only debate is who is the Assyrian. People say, well, it might be the president of Turkey or the prince of Saudi Arabia or this person or that person or Obama or Trump or whatever. But none of those people are Assyrian. They are not Assyrian. Trump is not an Assyrian. He's American. Obama is not Assyrian. He's a Kenyan. Come on now. they are not Assyrians. They are Arabians. The Assyrian is the leader. The king of Assyria is the leader of the Assyrians. The greatest, largest, majority population of the Assyrians remains today in Syria. Scripture is simple if you keep it simple and believe it, rather than making it complicated. The truth really is simple. The king of Assyria is the king of Syria. Is that simple. It is written, the identity of the son of perdition, so that we in this day and this time, this generation, would know. The identity. It does not have to be a mystery. It does not have to be a puzzle. It does not have to be confusing. The truth really is simple. It was written so that we would know. It was written so that we would understand. Amen. For those that seek, for those that are called, that we would understand. The rest of the world, they are blind. But those that have the eyes to see and the ears to hear spiritually, and will apply your spiritual senses, then you can see and you can hear and you can understand. Amen. Now, we was watching param because Jesus did lead us to watch Parham. This year, last year, the year before. And the last two years before this, or maybe more, the last two years, we saw very, very, very significant. It cannot be overstated. Extremely significant foreshadowings. The last two perms, as well as this perm, three perms straight now, at least, maybe even four or five of them. Significant, extremely significant events in the world on the day of parents And that's not a coincidence. Saying that there's a reason behind it, and that is because one of these days, whatever year. On the day of parent, true day of parent in God's calendar, the fulfillment will come of what has been foreshadowed on every parent for the last three or more years. It will be fulfilled on parent of whatever year. The strong delusion of two Thessalonians 2, also known as the abomination of desolation, Daniel 12 and Matthew 24 and Luke 21, Mark 13. The abomination of desolation being in heaven, in the temple of God, as the Bible says. Not what man says, not what religion says, not what Pastor Tim says, not what Pastor Steve says, but what the Bible says, the temple of God in heaven. Not the temple of God on earth, doesn't say it. Temple of God in heaven. That is where the abomination of desolation will be, in the holy place. The holy place is in heaven. Amen. That strong delusion, the fallen angel, slash Nephilim, or pure angel one, of evil, the destroyer. Amen. Cursed be his name. In the temple of God in heaven. That's going to happen. And all these people that have been brainwashed Programmed all of their lives to believe that before the tribulation the sky was split and Jesus would come for his people and rapture his people out of here and his people will not suffer his people will not suffer tribulation his people will not suffer martyrdom his people will not make have to make a decision about taking taking the mark of the beast or not that's a fairy tale the Bible doesn't teach that I've read the Bible More than once I have read every word of the Bible. And I have looked for it and I've studied it and I've prayed about it and I have examined myself over and over and over and over about it. And I choose to believe the Bible. And the Bible says that he will come after the tribulation. It says those words, after the tribulation of those days. It never, ever, ever, ever says before the tribulation. So to insert those words or to assume those words of before the tribulation or to teach those words before the tribulation when the Bible never says it is adding to the word of God. There is a curse upon the people who add to the word of God. In Thessalonians 2, God says to us, that he will bring a strong, not a weak delusion, but a strong delusion upon the people that believe a lie, who love not the truth. And that lie is the fairy tale of a three tribulation rapture. Very clear in that context. Read it for yourself. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to read the scriptures and believe it. Read 2 Thessalonians 2. Read it over and over and over and over until your eyes are wide awake and until you believe what it says. It says concerning the coming of the Lord and our gathering together unto Him that that day will not come. The coming of Jesus and our gathering unto Him will not come. That's what the Word of God says Until. Falling away comes first, and that that son of perdition, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, that he will be revealed first. He will be revealed first. And that word revealed actually should be translated as manifested. Revealed and manifested, known and seen. Sitting in the temple of God. Showing himself as God. People say that's on the Temple Mount. It doesn't say on the Temple Mount. Stop adding to the Word of God. Amen? It does not say on the Temple mount. But it says in the Temple of God. Where is the Temple of God? Look in the book of Revelation for that phrase. The Temple of God. Two times in the book of Revelation it says the Temple of God is in heaven. Twice. If I don't believe it once, maybe I might believe it the second time. Man. You have a man standing on the Temple Mount claiming to be God. He might get 100, 200, maybe 1,000 people follow him as God. A man standing on the Temple Mount claiming to be God. You might get a few Jews or a few Muslims or a few people to follow him, but not the whole world. And Revelation 13 says that the whole world will worship him. The whole world. The whole world ain't not going to worship some man on the Temple Mount. Come on now, be real. Use common sense. Not only believe Bible, but use common sense. Be real. The only way the whole world would follow a man as God, including the Buddhists, including the Hindus, the Catholics, the Muslims, the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Pentecostals, the Baptists, the atheists, the unbelievers, The only way the whole world of every religion would would worship the one and the same man claiming to be God is only if a very strong, strong delusion appears in the sky. Here in the sky, a fake coming of Jesus Christ as it very clearly describes. In two Thessalonians two. Now a lot of people today, I'm sure, are saying, Well, Pastor Tim, he is a false prophet because he said it was going to happen on this parent. He's a false prophet, don't listen to. Many people are saying that. I've heard it every year since I started serving God. They did the same to the prophets before us. They did the same to Jesus and Isaiah and Noah and all the prophets, apostles, and disciples and people of God before us. Why should it be any different in our time? Yeah. Go back and look. Read it, read it, read it, read it over and over what I said. Listen to the previous sermons. They're not erased. They're still on here. The sermon from last week and week before that, week before that, and the last year and the year before that and the year before that and the year before that. They're, they're still on the Internet go back and listen to them reading what did I say I never said that does say of the Lord it's going to happen on paramount 2019 but rather I said it was possible even probable but still only a possibility and I even said if it does not happen this year do not think that we still got 50 or 100 years or 10 years left because most likely, if it don't happen this year, it'll probably happen next year. And if not the next, then the next.
1: So very clearly,
2: I was not sure myself if it would happen this year. Very clearly. Amen. Don't, don't add words to Scripture, but also don't add words into my mouth either. Amen. It's a good thing we was watching, Perm. As Jesus did lead and direct us to do because we knew something would happen we knew that at the very least as I said in the notifications that I sent out in text text message and email as I said in the notifications which also is also preserved and still available to be seen online Mm -hmm. what I said I said that there would be at least that there would be at least a foreshadowing to occur on the perm, a foreshadowing, and possibly even the full fulfillment, but at least a foreshadowing. And what occurred, what occurred, what occurred? Was Trump announced that America would recognize the Golan Heights as being Israeli territory? That's huge, that is historic. It is historic. It is a date to mark on the calendar of history. It was not a life thing at all. Meaning people think, well, that's, there ain't nothing to that. Come on now. But everybody in the know, everybody that really understands politics and world the dramatic, dynamics and people in the news and the prime minister of Israel and Everybody, they know it was not just a light thing. This was historic. And you can find that word historic all across the Internet and many, 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 many different websites, news articles and statements that was issued over the past couple of days. It was a historic moment on the date of parent. No coincidence that it happened on the very day that Jesus led us to watch. And that is a huge foreshadowing of the strong delusion because the strong delusion would only occur in the context of Scripture. Revelation 12, the war in heaven. And other scriptures in the context of war. The strong delusion would happen not just on any day of the year or just out of the blue of nothing happening first, but rather in a context of war. And I've said for many years that the war would befall over the 1967 border lines, which is the Golden Heights and Jerusalem. Good thing was watching, but it's also a good thing. That the, that the greatest fulfillment of it did not occur. I'm not depressed at all. I am not depressed because we have another year. Instead of pouting and crying and, what did I do wrong? Or, why didn't it happen? Why didn't it happen? But being positive Philippians 4, putting our minds on the things that are praiseworthy. And it is very, very, very praiseworthy that we have another year or more to prepare for the final fulfillment of the parent prophecy. Now, moving forward, which is the title of today's message. Moving forward, first thing we need to do is check the foundation that we are on. Check the foundation that you are on. Are you on a solid foundation? Are you weak? Are you doubting the truth? Are you doubting the fulfillment of Perm and the prophetic timeline that includes not only Perm, but Passover, the Days of Unleavened Bread, Day of Atonement, Fiesta of trumpets, so forth. Are you doubting that timeline? Are you doubting the commandment of the seventh day? Are you doubting doubting any of the doctrines or teachings of this ministry? So I will very, 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 very briefly summarize the timeline because not only you but i we have to check ourselves examine ourselves over and over and over and over to see if we are in the truth are we deceived are we on the right track are we being being led astray we have to examine ourselves and you have to examine me and test me and try me. you have to to make for sure that I am not a wolf in sheep's clothing. because every preacher in this world is a wolf in sheep clothing for the most part. Amen. Now some people may not have seen the prophetic timeline. But basically it starts on Purim, as I've been saying, you will have the strong delusion, the fake coming of Christ, which will actually be the fallen angel, the president of Syria, the king of Assyria, and the sky and the fake coming of Jesus, whatever year on Purim. Thirty days after that, exactly. Thirty days after that. Well, first, let's state it like this. When we see that on term, that begins the 1,335-day countdown, 1,335-day countdown. Daniel 12, blesses he that cometh to the 1,335th day. So that's from Scripture. That's not a number I made up. Amen. Read it for yourself in Daniel 12. And that abomination of desolation in heaven on term will begin that 1,335-day countdown. Now, once that countdown begins, exactly 30 days later, you come to either Passover or the next day, the first day of Unleavened Bread. That's not a coincidence that there is exactly 30 days in between the holy days of Purim and Passover. Exactly 30 days. That's not coincidence at all, because... That 1335 days is divided down into three sections: a first 30 days of fleeing into the wilderness (Revelation 12). 30 days of fleeing into the wilderness, into the mountains. At the end of the 30 days, on the first day of unleavened bread, is the invasion of Israel (Ezekiel 38). Revelation. Eleven, other places throughout scripture the invasion of Israel and that will include the invasion of Australia New Zealand and the United States of America people all over the United States have contacted me over the years through email letter phone call miscellaneous ways of contact tell me of their dreams and their visions of the invasion of America by Russia and China. Some people see the Russians, some people see the Chinese, according to where they live and what's going to happen in their region of America. But almost every one of the dreams are almost identical. When people contact me with these dreams and visions from all across America of the invasion of America, all i got to do is read the first line, and I'll already know the rest of the story because I've read it over and over and over and over. The dreams are identical. So you can't say that it's coincidence or it's their imagination or they watched a bad movie the night before, The Dream. Amen. Some of it's not even dreams, but whooping visions which is entirely different from a dream. It's going to happen, not only because people have dreamed it and seen it in vision, but because the Word of God says it, Ezekiel 38. And it's very important to understand that Ezekiel 38 says that the invasion of Israel, which is America and the land of Judah as well, and all the British Commonwealth is Israel. But it says in Ezekiel 38 that the invasion of Israel would occur in a time when the wall is not built. Why does it say that? It wasn't written in vain. Amen. There's a reason why it was written down in Scripture for our day and for our time, that the wall would not be there. In a day and a time when the wall is like one of the number one headlines about Trump wanting to build the wall. I'm all for the wall being built, but it will not be finished. They can build half of it. They can build 75% of it. I don't know. But it will not be finished because the scripture says so. That the invasion would have happened to the land without a walls. Amen. So you can have your own opinion and uh, your political beliefs and this and this and this. But rather than your own opinion, I choose to believe the scriptures. Not develop my own personal opinion about whether it will be built or not. So we come to the invasion 30 days after term. And then that will begin the second segment of the three segments. Of the thirteen hundred and thirty-five days, thirty days being the first day. The middle segment, the second segment of time, beginning at the invasion, will begin the time period of twelve hundred and sixty days. Twelve hundred and sixty days—that's three and a half years—a time and a times and half a time. Throughout Scripture, it talks about that time period, and it is that time period that we call the Great tribulation. Now, during that time of three and a half years, you eventually will come to one of those particular three and a half years, you're going to have the opening of the sixth seal. The opening of the sixth seal will occur on the day of Pentecost of whatever year in that timeline. On the day of Pentecost. Why? Why? Why do I say that? It's already written in the article. It is already written in the article on the ministry website. So I won't read through that right now. And we'll get into some scriptures here in a minute. But let's take it one step at a time. For the people that have not yet read the article about the timeline and all the details of everything I'm saying and more. It's very easy easy to find. I do encourage you to check it out and to examine the evidence yourself. It will point you to the Scriptures, not just what I believe about it, not just what I think about it, not just my opinion about it, but the article will point you to the Scriptures itself and the historical evidence as well. You can find that on the ministry website at I Saw The I Saw The Light Ministries.com. And on the bottom of every page of the website, there is a search box. On every page, on the bottom of the page is a search box. And you can type in there dates, just the word dates, and you can find the article that way, or type in the five holy days connected with the end time timeline. Find it that way, or type in the word Sabbath, or hail, or Halloween, or Christmas, or Easter, or Trinity, or invasion, or anything you want to type in and find the article that you're looking for. Find that timeline and read it in the Bible for yourself as it directs you to the Scriptures. So the sixth seal will be opened on Pentecost. Briefly, uh reason for that is because in the book of Acts chapter 2, there was a lot of people saved on the day of Pentecost. And Peter mistook it. Peter made a mistake. Peter even declared a wrong prophetic statement. Peter had a lot of problems. Read the article, The Sins of St. Peter, as well, on the the website. The Sins of St. Peter, look that up. Peter had a lot of problems, I'm telling you, a lot. (laughs) He made a wrong prophetic statement when he said that this is the day, this is the fulfillment of what was written in the book of Joel, that the son would... The sun returned to blood and the moon would to blood or darken, however it says that. And the stars will fall from heaven because it did not happen that day. It was not fulfilled. As far as primary, full, complete fulfillment, it did not occur. But Peter thought it was the fulfillment, the full fulfillment. And it was not. Nevertheless, there was a reason. Why? He thought it was the fulfillment, and it's a very important reason that we need to understand to help us to recognize the real fulfillment in our time. He thought it was the fulfillment of the sixth seal, the sun and the moon and the stars, because he saw a ton of people being saved, receiving the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ. He recognized that when the sixth seal opens, that there will be a great if you want to call it a revival, a great number of people saved. And you book, look in the book of Revelation at the sixth seal, when the sun and the moon darken and turn red like blood, and then meteorites like stars fall from heaven, what happens? The sealing of the 144,000. And not only the ceiling of the 144,000, but after that, a great multitude of people who get saved during the tribulation.
1: Who are washed
2: in the blood of Christ, of every nation, of every tongue, of every language throughout the world. In Nigeria, Uganda, South America, Peru, praise the Lord. China, Russia, Ukraine. Every nation, every tongue, every language, every African tongue. You know how many tongues there are in Africa? Millions. Thousands, you know, I'm exaggerating. I say millions. Tons of languages in Africa alone. In every language on this planet, there will be people getting saved in the great tribulation it's not only great because of the tragedy and the death and the destruction but great because of the miracles and the salvation increase kingdom of God known as the church it will be a great tribulation Amen. yes it will be death and famine and pestilence But Philippians 4, set your mind on the positive and things that are praiseworthy. Even in the midnight hour, even when you find yourself on the chopping block, be beheaded. Do not be crying and whimpering in fear, but be praising the Lord. the darkest night in the darkest midnight hour when they throw you down in the pit or then when they torture you when they stick needles by the hundreds in your body and torture you but your eyes out these are very real things that are going to happen to a ton of people in the great tribulation the time That not only is wonderful, but also we have time of great trial and testing to see who will sell their soul for a bowl of soup. As Esau did I'm hungry, I'll sell my soul, I'll sell my birthright for a bowl of soup. Many, many, many people will sell their soul in the great tribulation. To the son of perdition, the fallen one, the son of Satan, son of perdition, son of destruction. Poor bowl of soup. Time of famine. Who is true and who is not? People will be separated. They're already being separated. Amen. Then we eventually come to the seventh seal, which will be opened on the fiesta of trumpets. Seventh seal is the blowing of the trumpets in the book of Revelation. Seventh seal is the blowing of the trumpets. The first trumpet out of seven trumpets begins to blow. that is the final one year. Isaiah 34, verse 8. Isaiah 34, verse 8, talks about the year of repay, the year of wrath, the year of vintage. And there is exactly one year between the fiesta of trumpets and the day of atonement in the Roman calendar. In the Roman calendar, there's exactly one year, the year of repay, between trumpets of one year and the day of atonement of the next. Fiesta of trumpets represent the blowing of the seven trumpets. That's easy. Even, even a two-year-old could understand that. asta of trumpets represents the blowing of the seven trumpets. So of course, it will be open that day. And then finally, we come to the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement is <clears throat> when the saints who have become true saints, not just Christians, not just believers, not just followers, but people who have become saints, people who have pressed their spiritual robes, white, clean, pressed, without wrinkle, without blemish, without spot, which is spiritually speaking for pure and without sin. I say it again, without sin. Say, all men have sinned, all men falls short of the glory of God. That's true. But we have a goal. <clears throat> we have a destiny. We have a finish line. And even though we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, we must be born again. We must change. And we must put off the filthy rags and put on the clean, pressed, purified, without spot, without wrinkle. That means without sin, people. No sin would enter heaven. No, sin, no sinful person would enter the paradise of the kingdom of God. No sinful person. So to say you can't stop sinning is an excuse to, stop, to not stop sinning. To say that you can't never stop sinning is an excuse to continue to sin. And no sinful person would enter the fullness of the kingdom. You must be totally transformed. Yes, it takes work, process, and time. And that is why there is two resurrections. You may have never heard of that before because many, many, many scriptures of the Bible you've never read or never actually took time to think about. you never heard it in any of these churches of mankind. The Bible is very clear that there's two resurrections. A second chance. You can learn more about that in the article about the truth about heaven and hell, their resurrections. The Day of Atonement is the date that the saints will enter heaven, be called up. Revelation 19. A lot of people believe that we would not be called up into heaven. That we'll stay right here on earth the whole time that we'll never go to heaven not even for one day not even one second we'll just stay on earth forever and I used to think that because some people taught me that once we realize that the pre-tribulation rapture is a fairy tale that we're not going to be in heaven during the tribulation but we actually do have to make a choice About taking the mark of the beast or not. We do have to face martyrdom, some people, or else be protected by God, whichever our destiny is. But once we realize the pre trib rapture is wrong, we automatically, many people, assume, well, we're not ever going to heaven then. We're not going to heaven during the tribulation, which is going to wait for Jesus to come back on earth, and we'll be right here on earth when he comes. But to think that way, you have to completely ignore Revelation 19, completely. Revelation 19 is very clear that the saints are in heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. Very clear, read it, and read that chapter over and over and over until you believe it and understand it. The saints are there in heaven for the marriage supper of the Lamb of God. You can't have that unless we're called up there. Now, it's only for a short period of time, 41 and a half days. But we'll be up there for that marriage supper. And then we will come down riding white horses. Revelation 19, same chapter. We're going to be on those white horses riding down out of heaven, following Jesus as an army. Coming back down upon the earth. And then we'll be on the earth forever. We won't stay in heaven forever. Heaven is not our home. But heaven will be the place of the marriage supper. Amen. We'll be caught up on the Day of Atonement. The article about the five holy days in the prophetic timeline will give you all the scriptures for that, many scriptures. Now, if you take any one of these five holy days that I just mentioned and count the number of days between each one, it is perfect down to the exact day, perfect, perfect number of days between each and every one of these holy days over a period of 1,335 days, not just within one year, but over a period of 1,335 days, which is more than three and a half years. Perfect number of days that match exactly what the Bible says would be between each and, one and every one of these events. So if, if, if even one of these dates is correct about a particular prophetic event happening on that particular holy day, if even one is true, they are all true by default automatically because the number of days between each and every one of these. perfect it's like a piece of the puzzle and one piece of the puzzle fits perfectly and the next piece fits perfectly and the next piece fits perfectly with the exact number of days between each and every one you cannot have any of these be wrong it's impossible so we need to check our foundation are we on the right track do are we standing on the right foundation of truth are we deceived Which one is it? Are we deceived or are we believing the truth? Are we believing a lie or are we believing the truth? Examine it. And if you're not for sure, examine it again. And if you're still not for sure, examine it again. You might have to do some fasting. You might have to do some crying. You might have to do some screaming. Lord, why is the truth? But to continue another whole year or two years or three years being confused or not being sure? would be absurd and dangerous for your soul don't be confused don't be double-minded seek the truth and you will find it seek it you will find it it might take some effort to seek it you might have to actually open up your Bible and read it and you might actually have to read it for more than five minutes You might have to really get in there and dig and really think and really pray really fast and really seek. But once you do that, you ought to have a very clear picture of whether this prophetic timeline is true or a lie, one way or the other, no middle ground. Amen. Now, the next term that we will be watching is March the 8th and March 9th of next year, 2020. March 8th, March 9th, 2020. And the same is true, that it is possible, and I will even say probable, but that's still only. A probable is not, thus say of the Lord, it will happen. Probable, probable means this. Probable means it's still only a possibility. But I believe that it will happen but I'm not saying thus say of the Lord it will happen on that year but that's the next prophetic watch date a watch is different from a warning if you have a tornado watch or a hurricane watch or a cyclone watch or a typhoon watch that means it could be close and It's something to watch, but it could go a different direction. The hurricane or the tropical storm could go a little bit more north or a little bit more south or a little bit more west or a little bit more east, but we don't know for sure. It's still in the watch area. A warning is it is impending. It is going to happen. It is aiming directly at you, and it is time to take shelter. I had issued a prophetic watch for the param of this year. I never did issue a prophetic warning. I have issued prophetic watches for the past few years, but I have never issued a prophetic warning. Thus say the Lord, it will happen as far as the last several years. Yes, I confess my sin and my fault and my transgression of many years ago, issuing prophetic warnings when I was still a babe in the Lord and when I was still a babe in preaching and in prophecy. But I repented of that, and I even confess it again today. People make mistakes, even as Peter did, issue a prophetic warning, and Peter did say that was the fulfillment when it was not the fulfillment. And he was a true man of God, truly called. Of God even prophets make mistakes But the thing is we learn from our mistakes and we keep growing in the Lord and we keep maturing in the Lord and we keep exercising and practicing the gifts that God gives us if he gives you the gift of singing you might have a wonderful gift of singing right from the beginning but you still have to practice and perfect it and grow in it same is true with prophecy or preaching in general, or teaching in general, or sowing, or praying, or any gift or calling that God gives you. You have to grow in it. None of us are perfect from the beginning in our calling or our gifts, either one. Amen. So the next watch date, as far as perm and the strong delusion, is March 8th and March 9th of 2020. And that means I will have to uh, draw up a new calendar for an additional year into the future. I've got calendars for the Holy Days already on the website through the year 2022. But now I will have to draw up a Holy Day calendar for the, the, another year going into 2023. And I don't know how many days or weeks that's going to take me to get done, but please trust me, I will work on that project and issue one of these days. I mean, we're in no hurry here, okay? Perm is a whole year away. I've got, and 2023 is what? Four years away or whatever. You know, please give me time. I've got a lot on my plate. I've got a lot of work to do. I will eventually, one of these days, Draw up a calendar for 2023, and when I have that calendar done, it will be sent out in the newsletter notifications. And you will know about it, okay? And if you're not yet subscribed to the notifications, I encourage you to subscribe. And it's right there on the bottom of every page, bottom of every page on the ministry website. You can subscribe to the newsletter through either email or text not really a newsletter. It's a notification. The notification informs you of new articles and new information or breaking news and so forth, updates to the Bible and so forth. Now, there is one more watch date even before that, and this is new. So, heads up on this because this is something new. And that is, in, in the, the last sermon, which was on Perm, a couple of days ago, term, I did announce, and even in the notifications, I think, I, I did announce, or I believe I did in the notifications, that Jesus has given me another date of September the 19th. September the 19th. I believe, that was, I believe that is referring to September 19th of this year. And I don't know what the reason in behind that. And I'm not even going to start guessing. I'm not even going to start listing possibilities. All I know is God gave me the date September the 19th. I'm not going to carry it any farther than that. And if God gives me more, I will share it with you. I'll pass it on. I'll deliver the message I'm nothing more than a mailman. God sends the message. Through the mailman, I deliver it to you. And that's the only thing he says, so I can add to it. He's writing the letter. He said, September 19th, I'll tell you, September 19th. Mm -hmm. Please, please, do not ask me. Please do not ask me what might happen. I don't know. If God tells me, I'll tell you. I have no right to add any more information to the letter that he's writing. I don't even know it's even this year for sure. September 19th, that's what he said. So we will watch that even this year, September 19th, for whatever happens. Now, having another year of until parent maybe two three years higher many years until the fulfillment of parent please do not become complacent in my experience in my life I can testify and witness to you that a year is nothing nothing a year is nothing, man. Time flies. The older you, the older you get, faster time flies. And the, and the more that we get closer and closer to the time of the great tribulation, the, the faster time flies. I tell you what, a year is nothing. And especially when you consider what we're preparing for. The great tribulation. Nuclear war. Invasion, the destruction of the United States of America and the complete control of this whole world by the Muslims and the Antichrist. The loss of everything that we know about how to live, being able to just go to the store, the Internet, the telephones, the text messaging, the end of all of this a complete transformation of society and of this entire world such a drastic change a year is nothing we could use another hundred years to get ready for something so huge amen do not treat this year as as if it was a hundred years or ten years, or even five years, or even two years. A year is nothing. Do not become complacent. But rather, we need to get a zeal, a passion for what we need to do. And we need to do a lot. I'm telling you, a lot. Oh, man, we need to do a lot. I cannot overstate how much we need to get accomplished in this year. This year will move fast because we'll be so busy with trying to get so much accomplished in such a short little tiny period of time. We must work hard to get the warnings and the messages of Jesus Christ from God through the male system, which includes you. You all are male men male women as well. That got to deliver the messages of God to this world of impending doom and destruction and total transformation of this entire planet. This is a huge calling, and you have been chosen for such a day as this. Do not treat your calling lightly. This is a huge call. God could have made you be born 100 years ago or 200 years ago, but he chose to put you in the last generation when all these things shall be fulfilled. The most important time in history other than the birth and death of Jesus Christ. we got work to do, and it's not time to sit down. It is not time to become complacent And treat this year as if we got plenty of time. We do not have plenty of time. Considering everything we need to get done. Now, let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Hebrews 12. And if we have two years we still need to work hard if we got three years we still need to work hard because three years also is nothing three years is nothing to prepare for the greatest most horrible most dramatic time in all of human history think about it now Matthew 24 says that in that time that will be the worst time, the greatest tribulation that has ever, ever come upon the earth ever. Think about World War Two. Think about the Holocaust. World War Two and World War One and the Vietnam. Think about Vietnam, man. Vietnam and the Korea War. How horrible that was! How many people died in World War One, Two, Vietnam, and Korea? None of those wars or anything to be compared with war, World War Three. You can combine every one of those wars I just mentioned, every one of them, add up the death total for every one of those, and the tragedies and the sufferings, and it will not compare. It'll be a drop in the bucket to how bad the Great Tribulation will be. Especially now in this time of generation when Western society, Australians, and South Koreans, and Americans, Canadians, they don't know how to survive. They wouldn't know the first step of survival. All they know is you go to the supermarket, you go to the grocery store to get your meat, your eggs, your food, your milk. But once that grocery store closes, in a matter of only days, in a matter of only three days, people are panicking. They're eating out of a dumpster in a matter of uh, three days. They're going to be eating one another in a matter of weeks or months. And that's in the Bible that people will eat their own children and their own parents. in the Bible. You don't have to believe me, but I hope you believe the Bible. Pretty dramatic three years is nothing no time at all to prepare for such dramatic time that will come upon this world In Hebrews 12 verse 1 through 7 verse 1 through 7 God willing Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, because of everything I've said, because of everything that we have said today, everything that has been said, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, talking about Elijah, Moses, Noah, all the people of the Bible that are witnesses to God's faithfulness, and their faithfulness, and their faithfulness to God, that they stuck with God in difficult times. In the context, if you go back and read the previous verse after the sermon, I mean, previous chapter after the sermon, if you want to. In the context of this, they had been talking about how people stuck with God even when faced with death and torture. They stuck with God and did not fall away. And that, those people, the prophets before us, even the women, even the men before us, Judith in the Apotheca, and uh, four Maccabees, the woman that witnessed the death and the torture of her seven sons, but she stuck with God. She was not going to fall away. She was not even going to die in fear or in tears, but rather, praise in the Lord. These are a cloud of witnesses to us. They are not in heaven. They are dead. The same chapter says they died. They're not alive. Ecclesiastes says that the living know that they should die, but the dead do not know anything. These people are dead. Cloud of witnesses do not mean that they are angels. Angels is an entirely different species than humans. Humans do not become angels. We are not butterflies. Humans do not become angels. Humans are humans, angels are angels. Two different species altogether. The cloud of witnesses is not talking about angels. It's not talking about humans turning into angels. And it's not talking about humans up in the clouds watching us. Because the Bible says, not Pastor Tim, but the Bible, the book Ecclesiastes, says that the dead do not know anything if the dead do not know anything then they are not watching you they are not protecting you they're not watching after you and they are not up on top of the clouds eating grapes come on now this is not a cartoon and that made somebody hang up they didn't want to hear the truth on that they want to believe that their loved ones are in heaven eating grapes and up on the clouds They don't want the truth. They disconnect it from that because they don't choose to believe the Bible. They would rather to continue to believe all the false preachers out here who don't know the Bible. Amen. Well, that's on their heads, not mine. I told them the truth, and at least they heard it. Amen. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, talking about the previous chapter of all these people that died staying faithful to God.
1: Let us
2: also lay aside every, you know I'm not going to be able to pronounce that word, every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Amen. We have a lot of, examples in the Bible of people that faced great obstacles, great tribulation, but they were faithful to God until the end. They did not fall away like Michael the Fool did. Okay? So we have examples of faithful people and, and of unfaithful people. Let us lay aside everything that burdens us. Let us lay aside the sin. We should not say I cannot become sinless because right here this verse says that we've got to stop sinning, that we've got to lay aside those sins and that we've got to lay aside everything that distracts us and the sin and the things that burden us which so easily entangles us like a rope around your ankle entangling you. We've got to escape those things and cut those things that bind us and let us run, not walk, Not walk slow, but run. That means we've got to have a passion and be busy and be active. Let us run, not walk. Let us run with endurance. And that means not giving up, but continue to run steadfastly all the way to the finish line, the race that is set before us. The race. It is a race. A race is when you have two guys or more right beside each other, and they are all pressing forward, running, trying to win the prize. We do have a prize that we got to try to win. People say, even the Bible says, that salvation is a free gift, that you're saved by grace and not by works alone. But notice the word alone, not saved by works alone, which means you got to have both. The book of James says that faith without works is dead, being alone. you got to have both. Matthew 25 talks about at the white judgment seat of Christ that some people be on the left, some people be on the right. And those on the left did not do works and they did not make it into the kingdom they did not feed the poor they didn't visit the people in the prisons which not every person has to do every one of these things but whatever your calling is is the point okay you don't have to go down that list in Matthew 25 and say okay have I visited people in prison have I fed the poor have I done this and done that because some people are called to visit the prisons, some people ain't. Some people are called to visit the nursing homes, some people ain't. Some people are called as uh, apostles, some people ain't. Pastors, singers, sewers, sewing, whatever your calling is. But whatever your calling is, you've got to do a work. Because faith about works alone. is dead. You've got to have both. We are called unto good works is another verse. We are called unto good works. And then another verse is the the parable of, of the talents. Uh, one person was given five, he doubled it, and I think another person might have been given two or something like that. But the one that was given only one did not use it, did not invest it, did not double it, did not increase it, did not bear fruits, and he would not enter the kingdom. So we are required to bear fruit, which means you got to work and have good results coming from your work. Very clear. It all throughout the Bible. John 15 is another example. You have to bear fruit. Amen. Now, verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the gladness set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of Theos. Now let's take the first phrase, first sentence within that verse, fixing our eyes on Jesus. How are we going to get through this year, and how are we going to get through the next two years, and the next three years, and the next four years? How are we going to get through the Great Tribulation when it's going to be so horrible? When there's going to be nuclear radiation in the air? When there's no no more supermarkets, no more food out there in the stores, no more electric, I hope no more electric, I hope no more internet, I hope no more cell phone. I hope no more texting. Please, Lord, please destroy all the satellites. Please destroy all the communications, communications, all the internet and all the electrical, everything. Please destroy it all, Father. Please remove this bondage from us. Amen. How are we gonna get through all this? How are we gonna get along with our phones? Oh my god. And I tell you how we're gonna get along by putting our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on on Jesus. If we are running the race, trying to win the race. We got to get to the finish line, but we got everything blowing against us, and there's a hurricane, a storm against us, pressing against us, trying to knock us down with every false doctrine, with every lie of the devil, with spears and stones and false accusations and everything else against us, all the persecution against us. How are we gonna get through it? I'm putting our eyes on Jesus. And if you put your eyes on Jesus, even in the midnight hour, even in the hardest, most difficult time, you're going to be fine. You might die, but you'll still be fine. Blessed are they that die in the Lord, the Bible says. And the righteous are taken away, so that they may not endure the storm. And that's fine. It's fine if you die. This is not about whether you live or die in this life. This life is nothing. But it's all about are you going to live forever in the kingdom of God or are you going to be dead forever? One or the other. That's what it's really about. It's not about this life. Amen. But we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the one that called us, the one that created us, the one that began this work in us, the one that called you to the truth. Put your eyes on him. Love him because he did choose you first while you were still a sinner, while you were still a pagan. God called you the author and the perfecter, the one that will perfect us. We will become perfect. We will become saints. People say, I'm not a saint. Well, you got to become one. The perfecter of our faith, a faith who for the gladness set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. People will point out, but, 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 that must be a contradiction, they would say, because Jesus cried, asked the Father to remove this cup from him. He didn't want to die he actually cut to be removed from him which meant don't let me die that is absolutely true that Christ said that because at that moment he was he had a human body flesh and blood and what being what being would not want to escape? torture even God would not want to endure torture I know you don't want to be to- do you want to be tortured or you're going to sign your name on the line and say I want to be tortured please torture me tomorrow at 3 o'clock tomorrow p.m. no who would want to be tortured no one Not even God wants to be tortured amen it would just simply that he didn't want to be tortured He had human flesh. He could bleed. Amen. And nobody, no spirit, no being would want to be tortured. But he came to die. And he still continued with the plan. He continued with the plan. Even after he did say those words, he could have stopped at any time. The Bible itself says that he could have called tens of thousands of angels to get him off that cross at any time, during the torture, during the beating, during the mocking, during the laughing, and during the nailing on the cross, or even after the nailing upon the cross. At any time, he could have came down off that cross. He didn't even have to call ten thousands of angels, even though he could have. But he wouldn't even have to call a legion of angels. He could have himself come off that cross at any time. Because he is God, he is theos, and he is the father. But he chose, and this verse says, not only chose, but with gladness. With gladness set before him endured the cross. With gladness he did die for our sins, but he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that no man may perish in that. We were saved by his death, and he knew that he had to do it, and he stuck with the plan, even though he didn't really want to be tortured, and who could blame him? This is not a contradiction of scripture. You just have to understand that even God wouldn't want to be tortured. But he stuck with the plan. Amen. Now, is Jesus Theos or not? It says that he sat on the right-hand side of Theos. How is that possible? How can Theos sit beside Theos? How can Theos pray to Theos? How can Theos talk to Theos? Well, let's see here. I have a left hand and I have a right hand. I have a left foot, I have a right foot. Science books, and uh, the science teacher and the health teacher in school, I remember very clearly that they said that your feet, your hands, and your body talks to your brain. And your brain talks to your feet, your hands. They communicate. There are brain signals and signals, and they talk to one another, and they communicate. But even though i got ten toes and ten fingers, two feet, two hands, I'm not a million people. I'm still one person. We got to stop thinking as God. We've got to stop thinking of God as a six foot man. He's not a six foot man. He is the spirit of God. He is the Holy Spirit which exists throughout the universe, not just on the throne, not just in heaven, but also on Jupiter, on Mars, on Pluto. And in every, every solar solar system and in every galaxy, in China and Russia, in every nation, in every planet, in every solar system, in every galaxy, he exists. And you cannot hatred him. Even in the grave, he's there. If you split a rock in two, he is there. He is everywhere. That's how he hears millions and billions of people praying all at the same time. We're talking and singing all at the same time. He sees everything, even hears your thoughts, even before you know your thoughts. He knows the number of hairs on your head. How is any of this possible? Because he is ever present in every place. He is not six foot tall, but rather he is nine hundred ninety nine slash nine hundred ninety nine comma nine hundred ninety nine comma nine hundred ninety nine comma another that, trillion billion billion times that, were. Three-fold, whatever, uh, pie. <laughs> Time's another that. Miles, big. Not six foot big. He, he fills the universe, the earth. that the, the, the earth is his footstool. And because he is that big and he is spirit and not flesh anymore, he is spirit. When he putt. Part of himself into Mary he only put part of himself in Mary a very small part of himself not all of himself only part of himself and that part of himself he did not put another person inside Mary he did not put a second person or third person inside Mary but part of himself went into Mary and came out from Mary in the flesh and blood. And that part that was in the flesh and blood, being in flesh and blood with a human brain, in human blood, had to submit himself to the Spirit of God the greater Spirit of God that still existed throughout the universe while he walked in the flesh on earth. It is part of his body. Jesus is part of God. But the book of Colossians, as well as John chapter 1, says that he, Jesus, created everything that was created And there was nothing that was created that was not created by him. That makes him the Father. And Jesus himself in the book of Revelation, at the beginning and the ending of Revelation, he calls himself the Alpha and the Omega. That's very, 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 very clear. And people say, well, that wasn't Jesus. Yes, it was. Read it again and again and again and again and again until you understand it. Yes, it was Jesus. I said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The people said, show us the Father. He said, I've been here. How easy, how difficult, how confusing. No, not confusing at all, not difficult at all. A two-year-old child could understand this if you just believe it. They said, show us the Father. He said, I've been here with you. He said he was the Father. Hello, this is not hard. So when it says he sit on the right hand side of the Father or, or Theos, it just means that the part that came through Mary in the flesh and blood of man, the Son of mankind, that he rose from the dead and he went back into heaven. It says he went back to heaven, which shows that he had already been in heaven. He went back to heaven. But this is with a combination of God-man sitting on the right-hand side of the part that never became flesh that always remained in the Spirit. God did divide himself. It's like I can cut a finger off of me. I wouldn't want to do that. That I could cut a finger off from myself, and my finger would still be part of me, even though it's not attached. And God did slaughter himself, cut himself with a sword. And he did bleed, he did sacrifice himself, he did divide part of himself into another section which had to submit to the greater measure of the Spirit. The last verses of 1 Corinthians 15 says that once everything is defeated and accomplished and finished, even death itself, once that is defeated, that God shall become whole again. That's what it says. If you get the right translation, read it in the Alpha and Omega Bible translation. Alpha and Omega Bible translation 1 Corinthians 15 the last few verses says that God shall become whole again which means he actually is not whole right now he divided he cut off a, a finger he cut off part of himself and bled for us but he shall become whole again once we enter paradise which means the new heavens new earth fullness into the kingdom We're not going to see two. We're only going to see one. And we will call him Jesus because he is G with us. God with us. We'll only see one God, only have one God. He won't be two parts anymore. He shall be whole again. Who do you pray to? Even though he has two parts, he's still one person. He's still one spirit. He's still one theos. He's still one God. But that part of theos is sitting next to the other part of theos. And yes, they do talk to one another, even as my right finger and my left finger both talk to my brain. And my brain talks back. Yes, I do talk back to myself all the time. I'm crazy. I'm insane. Yes, I am. Crazy for the Lord. Amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Verse 3, will consider him who has endured such hostility hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In this next year, today, this weekend, tomorrow, just because the fulfillment did not come to the fullness on time, should not cause you or any of us to fall away from the truth. And if you don't know what the truth is, Find it. If anything, the events of Perm about what did and did not happen should make you believe more, not less. You should believe more now after seeing the decoration, the historic, huge, huge, huge historic decoration on Perm. That America is going to recognize the Golan Heights as Israeli territory which is a major huge historic statement and event that will help provoke the war of World War III and the Great Tribulation and the strong delusion is huge you should believe more not less you should have more faith now not less And it says here in this verse that you would not grow weary and lose heart. Do not grow weary. Work harder. Work harder. Believe harder. Believe more. Pray harder. Fast harder. Work harder. Do not grow weary. Verse 4, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood, and you are striving against sin. We've got to strive harder. I love that old song. Very hard to find. But there's a song that says something like, I think I pray a little harder, walk a little harder, climb a little harder. Love that song. What we need to do. Work harder, not less. Don't grow weary, don't lose heart. You have not yet resisted to the point and of shedding blood in you're striving against sin. And you have forgotten the extra exhortation which is addressed to you as sons my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor faint when you are reproved by him for those whom the Lord loves he disciplines and he scourges whips every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you endure theos deals with you as with sons for what son is there his father does not discipline. Amen. This is a huge problem. Huge. I cannot overstate how huge of a problem this is. People don't like discipline. Regina, Charla, Michael, Many others. They don't like discipline. Death and more. They do not like discipline. And people think that if God disciplines them, that it's going to be some supernatural event like lightning and thunder from the sky that's going to come and strike them. And only then is it God that is disciplining them. And the reality is God disciplines in many different ways, including through the apostles, pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers, through the administration of the church. Read the Bible. is very clear. Remember how Paul said that a man in the church was committing adultery and the church had not disfellowship from him as they should have. And Paul said that I judge him already. When I come, in different words, when I come, I am going to disfellowship him. I will cast him out of the church. Paul believed in discipline. God believes in discipline this verse talks about this and it can be done not only through thunder and lightning and earthquake and storms and floods or loss of a job but it can also come through the administration of the kingdom hello and when your ministry leaders discipline you Or point out your sins, as the Bible tells the ministry to do. Hello, read the Bible. And you should repent. Examine yourself and accept the discipline of the Lord that is sent through the messengers and the administration of the kingdom. I do not like disbeling or rebuking or disfellowship. And really, by nature, I'm I'm a very, very quiet and introvert. And really don't like doing speeches and, and I don't like pointing out other people's faults or uh, rebuking people or upsetting people or making people angry. No, <laughs> I do not like these things. This is not me. This is not my nature. But I am not my own servant of the Lord. I'm a servant of the Most High God, and God has entrusted me with duty and responsibility, and I don't want to get fired. I have to do my job, and I have to do what he tells me to do, and I have got to take care of the sheep. I have got to take care of the flock. I have got to take care of the congregation and all of the congregations and I have got to take care of the church worldwide it is my job my duty my responsibility and I cannot fail there are too many lives at stake I have to be a arm of the Lord I have to be the hands and feet of Christ I have to even at times, be the hand of judgment. That is by God's choice, not mine. I have no right to opinion, choices, beliefs, other than follow Him or don't follow Him. That's it. I choose to follow Him. I do not want to get fired. And I do not want God to forsake me. And He will if I forsake him. Covenant goes both ways, people. If we forsake him, he will forsake us. We need to accept the discipline of the Lord. And remember, other people can smell you better than you can smell yourself. Other people can see when your hair is out of place when you cannot see when your hair is out of place unless you're standing in a mirror 24 hours a day. listen to people listen to the criticism if two or three or four or five people tell you you've got a problem with pride it's probably true listen to people's criticism they can smell you better than you can smell yourself in but moving forward check your foundation And make for sure you 're on solid ground about what you believe don't 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 be double minded and run hard with endurance and do not grow weary. Put your eyes on Jesus and on all the positive things, not on the negative. Yes, we have to be aware of the negative things in this world, abortion and sin and all the wickedness and the war and everything. We have to pay attention and be aware of everything but at the end of the day let's not be depressed people but let's be people who are joyous and happy because we know God because we know the truth because we're chosen because we're, we have the power of life in us because we have the power of the resurrection in us because we have the kingdom of God because our Savior, our Redeemer, our lover, our friend is inside us. He is not, God is not a million miles away. He's right here inside us. He's in your office. He's in your bedroom. He's in your living room. He's in your kitchen. He is with you wherever you go. You have a companion, a friend, an advocate. Praise the Lord. This should bring you peace unspeakable, joy unspeakable. You need, as you move forward in this next year, you need to praise the Lord more. Dance more, sing more, scream more, cry more, pray more. I think I'll pray a little harder. I think I'll climb a little harder. Get a zeal, get a passion. Don't get weaker, but get stronger. Look at James chapter 1. James 1. That's just the next page. James chapter 1. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. James chapter 1. Verse 1. Verse 1 through 8. James 1 verse 1 through 8. James 1, verse 1. James, who is the blood brother of Jesus, by the way, the blood brother of Jesus. James, a bondservant of theos and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes who are dispersed aboard greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. How do you, how, 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 how do you, be happy and joyous. Have peace in the middle of trial, tribulation, and hardship by putting your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. How do you do that? Read the verses, the, verses, the Bible verses that are encouraging to you. Write them down. Write down the Bible verses that are encouraging to you, the ones that give you power, the, one that, the ones that give you strength, and write them down on paper and tape them on to the bathroom mirror and on the refrigerator and on your desk and beside your bed and on that wall and the other wall and the other wall. And if you have to have a million signs all over the walls, then so be it. And lay your hands on those signs and repeat the words and repeat the words and memorize the words and speak those words as you're driving down the road and as you're working at work and when the devil tempts you, pull out the sword of the word of God and repeat those verses. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus and so forth. Amen. Sharpen your sword over this next year. Be encouraged, even in the times of trouble. Remember the account, not a story, not a fairy tale. The account of Paul and Silas in the prison singing praises to God in midnight hour. Remember it. Bring it to mind. The Bible says the Holy Ghost brings all things back to mind. You bring it back to your memory. Amen. Verse 3. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Knowing that it's necessary. Knowing you've got to go through the valley. Praise God for the valley because you've got to go through it. Praise God for it. Praise God for the great tribulation because you've got to go through it. If you want to enter the kingdom alive without having to die, if you want to survive, then you've got to endure it. Verse 4, let endurance have its perfect result and so that you may become perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's not talking about gold and money and silver, but spiritual things. That's what it's talking about. Again, perfection without sin. That is our goal. It is not impossible. There is nothing impossible with God. You do not have to keep sinning. Stop believing the lie. You do not have to keep sinning. You can stop sinning. You've got God inside you. Hopefully. You can stop sinning. You let God control you. If you become a slave, a bond servant to Christ Jesus, lacking in nothing spiritually, you can know all things. You can know the deepest, deepest, deepest mysteries of God. Verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of Theos, who gives to all generously. He is not stingy. Gives all generously and without reprimand, and it shall be given to him. Ask. Say bold prayers. Ask for what you want. Ask for what you need. I'm talking about spiritual things. Ask for greater discernment. Please, please, please ask for greater discernment. Please, please, please act for greater discernment. Act for greater faith. Amen. Amen. More wisdom. Strength spiritually. Ask for the gifts that you want. The Bible says, covet the greatest gifts. Ask for the gifts that you want. Verse 6 that he must ask in faith without doubting. Why would you doubt when there's nothing impossible with God and he is generous and he's your father? People need to get a very intimate relationship with God, not just a head knowledge that there is a God. His name is Jesus, and these are the commandments, and these are the laws, and these are the requirements, and these are the checklists, but rather a personal relationship, personal, intimate, close, very tight-knit relationship with God. you got to become, you've got to know God. and I'll tell you back when I used to talk to my dad my human dad at one time we were very 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 close and we could say things to each other that I couldn't say to anybody else and he couldn't say to nobody else we were so close and even greater relationship should we have with our Heavenly Father That we should know, we should know our Heavenly Father more than we know ourselves, really. We should know our Heavenly Father. We should know what He wants, what makes Him happy, what makes Him angry, what makes Him frustrated. We should feel His emotions. If He's alive inside us, we should feel when He is sad. And yes, He gets sad. We should feel it when He's crying. We should feel it when He is joyous and when He is angry. We should feel his emotions. We should have the mind of Christ. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. If you do not feel these things yet, then that should be a goal. And ask him for these things. Being more. How do you get to know somebody? Spend time with them. Amen. How do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. Amen. Spend time. With God. Amen. Prayer, fasting, reading the scriptures, studying the scriptures, not studying false religions, but studying God. Amen. Ask in faith without doubting for the one who doubts is like the serpent the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And let and let not that person Expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So you got to stop being double-minded. Find the truth and stick with it. And stop doubting what is real and what is true. Amen. So over this next year, if you doubt anything, Find the solution to it. What is right, what is wrong? What is the truth, what is not the truth? Stop trying to ride the fence. Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. verse thirty-seven. Acts two, verse thirty. I mean, yeah, Acts two, verse thirty-seven context is Peter was preaching on the holy days, on the Pentecost, and Christians were there, believers were there, and the disciples and the apostles were there because it was the holy day. And it was after the death of Jesus, and after the resurrection of Jesus, and after Jesus went back to heaven, and the people, the disciples, the apostles, and the followers were still keeping the holy days. Why would you say it's done away? Why? The disciples and the apostles were still keeping the holy days. It was the day of Pentecost, and Peter was preaching. Amen. Why would you say that the holy days of God were done away with. That doesn't make any sense at all. It's not logical at all. It doesn't make any sense at all. False religion makes no sense. The truth is simple, and it's easy to believe. It is the lies of the world that doesn't make any sense. It is the lies of false religion that is confusing. Babylon means confusion. Those stupid religions, fairy tales and lies, that is confusion. This is simple. They were here. They were keeping the holy days. This is simple. Amen. is preaching in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, the preaching of Peter, they were pierced to the heart, meaning convicted of their sins, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what should we do? basically hey I know I'm a sinner and I feel guilty because of the preaching you've made me feel guilty you've not tickled my ear you've not made me feel better but you have made me realize my sins what should I do now verse 38 Peter said to them pray and repeat these words after me I believe in God and I'm saved amen no that's not what it says doesn't say repeat the words after me but rather it says repent that means turn around stop sinning and yeah, stop sinning and start obeying keeping the commandments that's what repent means stop sinning and start keeping the commandments of God repent turn around then each one of you be baptized in the authority and in the name of Jesus, not in Yahshua. They did not write Yahshua. Book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke, and he did not write the name Yahshua. He did not write Yahshua. You can look it up in Strong's Concordance. Don't believe me. Look in Strong's Concordance. It does not say that he wrote Yahshua, but he wrote Jesus. What he wrote? He wrote Jesus. And yes there was a J sound there's always been a J sound come on now get real there's always been a J sound and I've had several people different nations over the years contact me and tell me that once they denounced Jesus name and stopped praying to Jesus and stopped believing in Jesus and started believing in Yeshua and Yahweh and all those crazy names, that demons came to them scratching on their doors, scratching on underneath their bed, and they would say, leave in the name of Yahshua, and it would only get worse because the demons love the name of Yeshua and they do not fear the name of Yahshua. But when they finally said, Leave in the name of Jesus, the demons left immediately, instantly, because they have to flee in the name of Jesus. You can research and you can research books and websites and books and websites and use all the kind of human wisdom that you want to, but the bottom line is the demons flee in Jesus' name, amen. The witches and the Satanists, they chant YHWH, which is where Yahshua comes from. You cannot separate Yahshua from YHWH. Yahshua comes from YHWH. And however you pronounce these, you can say, Shua, Yahshua, Yeshua, all that crazy stuff. There's a million different variations of these Y names, and they are not Hebrew. These groups, these Y named cults, they can't even agree among themselves what his name is. Come on now, get real. The Freemasons, they pledge allegiance to the Y names. I know. I know. For a fact, uphand, up personal face to face, that the Freemasons reject Jesus' name and believe only in the Y names. And the witches and the Satanists chant YHWH. Why would a witch or Satanist chant YHWH if it was really God's name? People say because they're trying to blaspheme his name. No. It's because they are worshiping that name. It is not Hebrew. It is Assyrian. Look it up. Look it up. It is Assyrian. Christmas comes from Assyria. Easter comes from Assyria. The Trinity doctrine comes from Assyria. The YHWH comes from Assyria. Everything that you call Babylon comes from Assyria. So, why would you want? to speak and believe in Assyrian letters and Assyrian names. It wouldn't make any sense. Come on, man. The evidence has been laid out for you. Look up in the article on the website, sacred names, the name of God. Is God's name Yeshua or Jesus or what? Look it up. And I saw the light ministries, I saw the light ministries.com. And the only thing I do is point you to the scriptures and to the documented facts. Not my opinion. It's not what I believe. I have no right to my opinion. I have no right to my own personal beliefs or my own personal interpretation. But I point you to the scriptures and to the documented history, documented facts about what these languages are and what these letters represent. Documented, proven, undeniable. But people go through that article, and they just read a little bit here, a little bit there. They don't read it, all of it. They don't click on the links. They don't click on the documentation. They ignore things after they read it because they don't want to believe. The truth. They just want to continue in the dark, evil lies that they have embraced. And that is why they are not going to make it into the kingdom. You cannot be saved in the name of Yahshua because there is only one name under heaven by which man may be saved, and the name was written as Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake the name of Jesus. And you can show me textbooks and what Freemason professors are saying, and I will still not deny the name of Jesus. It is lunacy and insanity that this whole world is denying Jesus' name. Even the Baptist Church, even the Pentecostals, even all the different groups and all the different pastors, are all abandoning Jesus' name. People say because there's a great awakening. They're learning the truth. That's not what I see. What I see, the world is getting more wicked. What I see is that the churches and the pastors and the society is not growing in light and truth, but society is getting more and more and more wicked. And these churches and these pastors have become more and more wicked. So how in the world can you say that they're waking up they're not waking up they're not repenting they're not changing the only increase in this world right now is only wickedness it's only wickedness that's being increased not truth the very fact that all these different preachers and pastors and churches are forsaking Jesus' name and embracing the Y name. The very fact that that is happening proves that that is an evil name of Yeshua because Babylon is embracing the Y names more and more and more because you are going to be thrown in jail in the day and the time of the great tribulation for preaching in Jesus' name even as Paul and Peter and others were in prison for preaching in Jesus' name. History repeats itself. Amen. Now, it says here in Acts 2, verse 38, Repent, each of you be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, of course, we got to pray, but you also got to get baptized for the forgiveness. And if you just only pray and not be baptized, then you have not gotten the forgiveness. It says you be baptized for the forgiveness. That's what it says. Either believe it or don't believe it. It's that simple. It's that easy. People say, you don't have to be baptized. Well, let me see. Do I want to believe you or do I want to believe this Bible verse? Which 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 way is it? It's an easy choice. Easy choice. Another Bible verse says that we are baptized into Christ Jesus. Baptized into Christ Jesus. Another verse says that if you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved. Not just believe, not just John 3.13, John 3.16. John 3.16, hello, John 3.16 is not the only verse in the Bible not the only verse in the Bible, even though everybody acts like John 3.16 is the only verse in the Bible. What about the verse that says, if you believe and are baptized, you shall be saved? What about the verse that says, you should be baptized into Christ Jesus? There's no verse that says you're prayed into Christ Jesus.
1: There's no verse
2: that says you're prayed into Christ Jesus. You must be born again of water and spirit. And the water is not talking about your mom's water. Because, hey, we ain't got no choice about that. We're all born of our mom's water when the water breaks. You ain't got no choice about that. Jesus would not say, you've got to be baptized by your mom's water. We ain't got no choice about that. Come on. Use common sense, people. Baptized of water and spirit is both talking about being baptized. Baptized is baptized. And born again is being baptized into his spirit. And it is done with full immersion in water. Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will, not might, but will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And yes, it's ghosts, because God died and yet rose from the dead. That is ghosts, and that's why you should say ghosts, because spirit does not recognize his death. But Holy Ghost recognizes that God died for us, and there is power in those words. There is power in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's go one more verse. Matthew 5. Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. While returning to Matthew 5, I will explain this as well. Many people are afraid of that word ghost because they think. Of like a ghost that haunts a house or something like a demon, but what they don't realize is, like back in the eight, I mean like in the 1600s and 1611, when the King James was written, the word ghost and spirit were completely opposite of the way we use them today. Completely opposite. In 1611, in the times of the writing of the King James Version, it was the word spirit that meant a haunt, a demon, an evil spirit in the house. It was the word spirit that meant, that had the evil meaning to it, and not the word ghost. That is the history, documented history. But over time, after 1611, somewhere down the line, people have turned these words upside down, and now, now it's the word ghost that has the negatives. But that's not the way it was. And I believe we've got to go back to the older meaning and the older languages and the older definitions. Because as we continue to get closer and closer to the return of Christ, I see language being more corrupted. Definitions being more corrupted. Not getting better, becoming more corrupted. And Holy Ghost is not negative. It's Holy Ghost, not evil Ghost. There's a difference. Holy Ghost, not evil Ghost. Holy Ghost. It just means that Christ died, but is still alive, that he came alive from the dead. The word spirit does not have that meaning. There is power in the blood of Jesus, but there is also power in the term of the Holy Ghost. Do not be afraid of that word, because it is holy, and there is power in it, using that term. There is power in words. Do not be mistaken. There is power in words. Jesus is the Word of God. There is power in the words that you use. Matthew 5, verse 10. Matthew 5, verse 10. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you. And falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. There it is again. Being persecuted, being hated, being mocked. But yet, still be happy. How? Cut your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Pray, sing. Know him. Know his power. Know his love. Know him personally fall in love with Him by spending time with Him. You spend time with God, you will fall in love with Him. I guarantee you. You spend time with God, you will fall in love with Him. Amen. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It can't. It is no longer good for anything except to be cast out and trampled underfoot by people. So what is why, why, why does Jesus start talking about salt, and we are salt, after he just said, be happy, you're blessed, and people persecute you? Keeping it in the context, we have got to continue to evangelize, minister, share the warnings, the messages, the prophecies, the doctrines of God to the whole world, even in the face of mocking, laughter, hatred, persecution, martyrdom, whatever. And we've got to endure. So salt, if it loses its saltness, if it loses its taste, it has not endured. It has become weak and watered down. So this analogy of salt means that even in hard times, you've got to endure, that you've got to continue to be strong and full of aroma, full of sweet aroma to God, full of power, full of light full of zeal, full of passion. Do not grow weary. Do not slank back. Do not shrink back. Do not get weak. But press on. And then he continues with the analogy of the light in the same context. You are the light of the world. That's amazing. Think about that. That that, that verse right there, just spent a whole day. Write it down. Spend a whole day just thinking about that. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works. I don't have to work. I don't have to work. Well, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And if you don't work, you ain't going to bear fruits. And if you don't bear fruit, you're not going to be in the kingdom. Jesus said, He wants to let the world, you should let the world see your good works you don't work, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not a worker. You're not worthy of the kingdom. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. You do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to bring to fullness. For, oh, for amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot which is the J letter, which proves there was a J sound. Not one stroke shall pass from the law until all is fulfilled or accomplished. Now, a lot of people want to twist this, the Y name people especially. They want to say, every man still must be circumcised because none of the law is passed away until heaven and earth passes away. Well, if you believe that, then not only must you come and tie me down and cut my Peter, but you must also stone me and stone yourself and stone your own wife and stone everybody you know and kill every witch in the block and start killing homosexuals everywhere. And you must take some animals and and kill them every time that you commit a sin. If no law ever in the entire Old Testament is done away with, then you must slaughter an animal for your sins, and the blood of Christ has no effect. And you must kill every homosexual and every witch and every pagan and everybody that worships a false god, which are everybody which is everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your family. You must kill your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, and everybody you know because they are all worshiping false gods. And the Bible commands you to kill those people. Old Testament does. Yes, it does. So how can we say that no law is done away? People must understand that there are two laws. Two laws. The ceremonial ritual law talking about the sacrifices, the animal sacrifices, and the circumcision. And then there is the spiritual law of the holy days and the commandments, and even that we must keep in the spirit rather than the letter. We have not just the Old Testament, but we have the New Testament, and the New Testament does change the law. It actually uses that word, change the law. In the book of Hebrews, it says there must be a change in the law. Not that the law is done away, but change. Now, some law is done away, such as circumstance, uh, circumcision, sacrifices, because of the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we are now circumcised in the heart. Amen you got to read the whole Bible. you got to read the whole Bible. Amen. And what Jesus meant by this is that not one of the Ten Commandments shall be done away with. And how do I know he was talking only about the law of the commandments? It's because you've got to keep reading the chapter instead of just stopping right there. And that's the problem. People just read those verses and they stop. And they don't read the rest of the chapter. That's what their problem is. You've got to keep reading. You've got to read the whole chapter. And if you keep reading the whole chapter, it's very clear he's talking about the commandments because he starts listing the commandments and explaining how you keep the commandments by the spirit of the law. So that is the law that he's talking about, that not one jot shall pass from the law of the commandments, meaning that the Sabbath would not be taken away. Right there. That there, even though he does not list the Sabbath, but the reason he did not list the Sabbath is because the crowd, the audience, the people that were in front of him, they already were very, very solid in keeping the Sabbath. Amen. He was in Israel. Come on. He was in Israel. The people were already keeping the Sabbath. They knew about the Sabbath. They didn't have to learn the Sabbath. And they were keeping the Sabbath to the T. But he didn't have to repeat about the Sabbath. But he did list several of the Ten Commandments. So we know he was talking about the commandments according to the context. And then also according to the context about us moving forward over this next year and through the tribulation in the context is that we must tell people about the ten Commandments yes we must warn people about the strong delusion yes we must tell people about the invasions and the the trial and the tribulation that is to come upon the world we must share the prophecies of God but we must also share about the seventh day we must share about the commandments because none of us That are listening to the sermon today none of us are in Israel and people in Korea they don't keep the Sabbath and people in Australia most of them don't keep the Sabbath and people in America most of them don't keep the Sabbath so we have a different situation for us than what Jesus had at that day and time to where we must include the Sabbath in our ministry about what we teach Because the people have not heard about it, or they have heard but have not yet accepted the truth of it. So we got to teach it, share it with people. So as we move forward, we will continue to distribute the flyers about the strong delusion, but we also must be a ministry of a full gospel, not just prophetic. This cannot be, never has been a only prophecy ministry, but rather a full and complete gospel. Complete puzzle, a complete picture, a complete Bible. Amen. We will continue to work on editing and updating and perfecting the Alpha and Omega Bible. We will continue to work on it all year. And then finally, finally, finally release an update, maybe about January or February of next year with all the updates that we'll be doing this year. And we'll continue to distribute the flyers about prophecy, but also we need to get the flyers about Easter out there this month. And next month, Grant these flyers about Easter. There's two or three different flyers about Easter. We need to get those out there quick in large numbers. Warn people about Easter. This is part of the gospel, not just prophecy. Put your eyes on Jesus. Check yourself. Check your foundation. Are you going to stay in this ministry or not? Make a decision and make it today because this is simple. This is easy. Repent of your sins, and if you're not baptized yet, get baptized. Why does it take forever for people to make up their minds whether or not they want to serve the Lord? I do not understand. You either want to serve the Lord or you don't want to serve the Lord. If you want to serve the Lord, and if you like truth and want truth, and you're searching for truth and you found the truth, then why not just get baptized and surrender to God? I don't understand why people want to delay joy, and peace, and happiness, and victory, and power of salvation. Why would we want to delay good things? If I say to you, I'm going to give you a million dollars. I promise you, here's the money. Here's a picture of it. I've got it. I'm going to give it to you. It belongs to you. Do you want it today, or do you want it a year from now? Who wouldn't say, give it to me today? Amen? Well, the Bible says that we should buy and ask and seek and pursue with all diligence salvation. Why would we want to delay another week, another six months, or another year uh, knowing God, getting saved? Amen. Make up your mind, repent, be saved, be baptized, press on. Don't lose faith. Uh, press on. Don't give up. Now, very briefly here, just a few other things. Very briefly here, just a few other things. Huh. We need to also continue to prep, to stock up supplies. Get the supplies that we're going to need for the Great tribulation. We need to set priorities spiritually, and physically in our finances. What we spend our money on, how much we eat out, what we buy, what we don't buy, how much money we spend on food, how much money we spend on this, how much we spend on that. We need to prioritize. Don't act like a rich person. I cannot stand the way the rich people shop. I cannot understand people who want to buy expensive food. Come on now. There are people that need Bibles. There are people that need the truth, people who need the gospel, people who need the flyers. We need to be putting our money where our mouth is. We need to be putting our first 10% to God, to the gospel, to the message, to the distribution of the gospel. Amen. And let us learn from our mistakes. Over the past year. Surely, surely, over the past few days and past few weeks, over the past month, surely some of you were like, I wish I had this, I wish I had that, I'm not ready, I don't have enough of this, I don't have enough of that, or I don't know enough about survival or something. I'm sure that many of us have regrets about what we did not have ready yet, about what we did not have yet stocked or whatever or skills or memory. So let us learn from that. And over the next year, have a plan, have a goal of how you are going to achieve having those things by next term. How are you going to get these supplies? Make a plan, write it down on paper, and stick to it. Follow through and how you're going to get these supplies, and not only supplies, but skill and knowledge about uh, edible plants in your nation, what plants there are, what trees there are, what flowers and herbs that grow in the wild naturally that you can use for food or medicine. That is of extreme importance, extreme importance. Learning the plants, the natural plants that grow in the wild of what you can eat for food and what you can use for medicine in your nation or whatever nation you're going to be in for the tribulation. Make a priority of learning skills, not just physical supplies, but knowledge and skills of how to survive without storage, without Amazon. How are you going to survive without Amazon? Amen. Amen. And another thing over this next year moving forward is I really encourage you to use Amazon less than what you have been. I have given other alternatives. The Bonanza website, bonanza.com. I've been buying some stuff from them. There's some more stuff I'm going to be buying from them. I think they are a good website. And the other website, etsy.com, etsy.com. There's a few things on there that some of you might be able to use and buy from there. And then a third one is wish.com. And I know that people are afraid of using Wish because almost everything on that website is sent from China. And we don't want to support the Chinese. Because they are communists and because they are controlling all the trade, all the merchandise in the world, or at least all the merchandise in America is from China. But the fact is, if you order on Amazon or if you buy something in a local store, it's still from China. So what's the difference? You might as well just buy it directly from China and skip the middleman. Amen? It's still coming from China sooner or later. Rather, you buy it at Walmart or Amazon. So, you, might, you may as well buy directly from China and save money because it cuts out the middleman. And therefore, you save money and get it directly from China. We're all going to be supporting China no matter where we buy from. So, we might as well support them directly rather than through Amazon. I would rather support China. I don't want to support China at all, but I ain't got no choice because everything is made there. And I have looked for stuff made in America, and you can't hardly find it no more. You can't hardly find nothing made in America anymore, hardly at all. So This is just part of life and reality. We just got to face reality. And if this is reality, we just got to embrace reality. Amen? I would rather support China directly rather than through a company like Amazon that supports abortion supports Islam supports homosexuality supporting supporting Amazon is much worse much worse than supporting China much worse because China does not support Islam yet they will eventually And China does not support homosexuality. But Amazon, Amazon supports every evil that there is, every every evil that you can list, every evil that you can name, Amazon is it. But I will confess that I will continue to buy some items on Amazon. Because you can't find everything on Wish. You can't find Amazon everything on Bonanza. You can't find everything on ETSY. Even with these three alternatives, you still eventually will still need to order something on Amazon, including, guess what, the Alpha and Omega Viter. We cannot completely, completely leave Earth. Come on, we cannot get on a spaceship and fly to Mars. This is part of the reality. We cannot escape Amazon unless uh, you are completely content with the supplies that you can buy locally in your area, which I'm not content with what I can buy locally. I have to get on the Internet, and I have to buy some stuff from Amazon. So I'm not saying that we have to 100% caught Amazon completely. That's not what I'm saying. I realize that we are in bondage to Babylon until the electric and internet goes off. And praise the Lord for when that day comes. But what I am saying is this. Very simple. Let's use Amazon less. Let's support Amazon less this year than what we did last year. If we can buy it on a different website or a different store, then let's buy it at a different website or a different store. If we can afford it, if we can do it, if it's available and affordable, then let's at least look at the options and try to use other websites and other stores more if and when possible. That's all I'm saying. Amen. So keep using Amazon when needed, but try to use alternatives. I believe that's reasonable. Another thing we need to work on over this next year is our health. Our bodies are the temple of God. Our bodies are holy and good and not evil. Your flesh, your body, and his body and her body is not evil. And your flesh is not a sin. And we need to take care of our bodies and become healthier and stronger over the next year, as well as continue to get rid of the legalism. Get rid of the legalism and false doctrines. False ways of thinking. Exercise, eat better, become stronger. And the reason I put this in this list of things we must do as we move forward is because when we get to the Great Tribulation, it's going to be difficult. It will be difficult. We will have to grow our own food, we will have to hunt animals, and cut up the meat, and cook it, and wash, and farm, and wash our own clothes by hand or bucket, and dig in the ground with our muscles, and walk a lot more, and lift things a lot more. So it's going to be important to try to be more healthy, stronger, and stouter. The tribulation, both men and women, especially men. Those men these days are wimps, especially in the United States of America. Spoil wimps. Let's rip ourselves into shape. Let's, Let's whip ourselves into shape and get ready for that very hard, very difficult, and totally drastic change of life we need to prepare not only our spirit for this but our emotions our mentality our mind frame and our flesh we need to prepare every way because you have no idea how different it's going to be it's really going to be different we got to prepare physically with our health our muscles or health or strength get your teeth fixed go to the dentist you do not want a toothache at a day and a time in the tribulation when you cannot call the dentist Forget get all the dental work that you need done. Get it done now over the next year. Any other surgeries that you need, get them done now. I believe in natural health. My wife and I, we are health nuts. We are uh, all about natural health, essential herbs and non-GMO and everything. But the fact, the reality of life is sometimes you need a doctor and sometimes you need surgery to get those things done over the next year. Another thing that we need to work on is relationships with one another within this congregation. We are not only followers of Christ, but we are brothers and sisters. And that means family spiritual family. All of us, once we surrender to the truth, to Jesus, we lose our families and our friends. Every one of us. You are not alone as far as you are not the only one going through this. I have gone through that. Brittany has gone through that to some extent. Every one of you have gone through it to some extent of losing family and friends. All of us so we have that in common and we share this tribulation and these pains we can help one another encourage one another support one another and we need to increase in doing so supporting one another talking to one another getting to know one another you every one of you almost all of you that are listening you have one another's email addresses do not be afraid To write one another, get to know one another, call each other, communicate, become brothers, become sisters, fall in love with one another and encourage and support one another. We are a family, we need to stick together. Times are difficult already. This is another thing I need to say right now. Is just because we have another year, you should not assume that it's going to be easy. Fact is, we see a continued increase in the number of American troops in Syria and Iraq, even though they're claiming that the numbers of troops, American troops in Syria and Iraq is being reduced all the way down to just 200 and 400. That's a lie. You know they always lie to you on the news. You know it. Come on now, be real. They are not keeping just 200 and 400 troops in Syria and Iraq. Come on now. They're keeping thousands and they're actually bringing in more thousands. They are increasing the number of troops. We know that Iran is becoming more aggressive. Syria and Iraq, they are becoming more aggressive. And America, the military leaderships, and Trump. They know this, and they are increasing troops. They are just hiding. Even Trump said a long time ago, we cannot let our enemy know how many troops we have. He said that. Don't you remember that? Long time ago. He said we cannot let our enemy publicly know how many troops we have in these areas. So when they release a number of 200 and 400 is a lie because they cannot let the enemy know the true number of troops because it's military secrecy. It is military intelligence, common sense to not let the public know what you're really doing behind the scenes because it's war. You do not publicly let people know the truth you do not they're doing right by lying to us they are doing right by lying to us they are on our side people hate the military people hate the police people hate the government because people have a rebellious spirit people love to hate authority I do not fear the American police, the American military, or the American government. They are on our side. Our enemy is the Muslims. Our enemy is China, Russia, Iran, Syria, not America, not the American military. Come on now. These conspiracy theories are so silly. Conspiracy theories that the American military is going to round us up, put us in concentration camps. That is so silly. Come on, come on. This is not a cartoon. This is not a science fiction movie. This is real life. The American military will never round up American citizens and put you in concentration camps. It will be the Russians and the Chinese because that is what the Bible describes. The Bible describes the Russians and the Chinese coming into this land without walls, invading us, patrolling us. It will be those people, our enemy, our true enemy. Do not fall for the ridiculous, insane conspiracy theories. Stop being so gullible about believing everything you read on the Internet. Ask God, please, beg God for discernment. And wisdom and common sense. We need to get a better relationships with one another in the congregation. Grow up, ask for discernment, stop being so gullible. Uh, read the Bible, grow in God, put your focus on Jesus. Do not grow weary. Get a passion, get strength, get hope, get peace, get joy, get happiness by putting your eyes on Jesus. Get your health better use Amazon less, use PayPal less, use all the evil websites less. And then one last thing, one last thing, is that now that we have another year, that gives us more time for a possible fulfillment of another prophecy which is about Hillary Clinton becoming the last president of the United States of America through the 25th Amendment. I never said that Hillary Clinton would win the election, but rather I said over and over and over and over again that Hillary Clinton would become president not through election, but through the 25th amendment, and that is exactly what I said over and over and over, and it is still on the internet documented exactly what I said over and over and over, that it's not through the elections, but through the 25th amendment that Hillary Clinton would become the, uh, what is it, the 46th president? Yeah, 46th president. And I even said that over and over, that she would be the 46th president. Trump is only the 45th. Trump is only the 45th. So these people that call me false prophet because Hillary Clinton did not win the election, read the word again, over and over and over and over, until you understand with common sense what I said. I did not say she would be the 45th that I said she would be the 46th president. That would be after Trump. Come on, can we count? Now, I will confess that among many, many different prophecies, that this particular prophecy of Hillary Clinton is one of the ones that I am the most less faithful concerning it is possible that I am wrong on this and I have said that before and I say it again today I'm human I make mistakes sometimes I misinterpret sometimes I misunderstand sometimes I am deceived as you are too sometimes Every one of you, sometimes, everybody, everybody on this earth, it don't matter how much you do know God, sometimes you make mistakes. That's human nature. It doesn't mean I'm not saved or you're not saved or uh, that I'm not called of God or that God has not chosen me as a preacher or a prophet. It just means I'm human and I make mistakes I admit my mistakes I confess my mistakes I spill my guts out right here and tell you my sins over and over and I'm telling you I do not have a hundred percent faith in this one prophecy about Hillary Clinton but yet at the same time it is very possible very 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 possible that I am wrong about not having full faith in this prophecy. It's very possible and probable that actually this prophecy will be fulfilled and that I am showing a human flaw and weakness and sin by not having full faith in this prophecy. I may be sinning by not having full faith in this prophecy. I confess it to you. But now that we have another year, and what we see is just yesterday that Robert Mueller finished, completed his investigation of Trump and of the elections, and submitted his final report. To the United States Attorney General's Office. Now, that information is sealed so far, and we don't know what it says so far. There's only a matter of time before they start leaking information from that document. Congress is trying to move to get it entirely, or at least in part, publicly released. What I expect. Very, very, very strongly is that this report, this finished investigation of Trump, will conclude. That's what I suspect. What I believe is that it will conclude uh, a lot against Trump. We know that the Democrats hate Trump with a passion, and they will use anything and do anything. Get him out of office, and they publicly admit that. Amen. We know that the demon rats are fierce, unforgiven, unmerciful, and extremely wicked. And there is no way that a Democrat will ever, ever go to heaven or enter the kingdom of God or even get saved until they repent of their liberal, leftist, communist. Socialist, anti Christian policies. It's impossible for a Democrat to get saved until they repent of their sins. They must repent of their love and worship of Obama. They must repent of their support of homosexuality and Islam and abortion and of communism. Amen. And we can very, 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 very easily see, very easily see that the Democrats are moving forward to remove Trump from office. And whether they will accomplish that or not, we'll see. But they're definitely already on the path of trying to remove him from power. And maybe not even through impeachment, but rather through annulment. Annulment and impeachment are two different things. Impeachment means that if they get enough votes, he would be removed from office, but the Vice President Pence would become president. But they would need a lot of votes for that, both in the House and in the Senate, both parts of Congress. But it's not impossible. Now, annulment would be completely different. Annulment, all they have to do is take all the evidence through this investigation of Robert Mueller, by Robert Mueller, and take the evidence through all the other people that has already been uh, testifying against Trump, which are huge, huge uh, uh, claims, very serious claims against Trump. They've already got enough against Trump. To impeach him they've already got enough and then once this Mueller report is fully uh, publicized they're going to have even more they're going to have more than enough to impeach him and but the annulment would be to where they say that the evidence is strong enough to where we have decided that the election is void that the election be void and that trump never was president and his presidency is annulled which means cancelled out entirely even his vice president is counseled out and his entire staff is counseled and everything he has done since he's been in office is counseled because he never was president because he did not win the election and hillary clinton is the president through the 25th Amendment. It could occur like that. Now, it could occur another way as well. There's actually a lot of ways it could occur. But one more way is Trump could actually survive all of this political foolishness and stay president into the tribulation and then Assad, when he invades America with the Russian and Chinese militaries, that Assad could appoint Hillary Clinton as governor slash president of the United States. That is possible, because as you read the Bible, you see over and over and over how the Babylonian, Assyrian, Persian, Greek, all these dictators that invaded Israel or took control of Israel they always did appoint somebody from within the nation to be governor or ruler of that nation from within that same nation who agreed to submit to the dictator. So Assad could say, Hillary Clinton, do you submit to me? And if you submit to me, I will make you ruler, the governor, over America you would still be president of America, but you have to support me, and you have to still follow my rules and my laws. You're just my messenger. You're kind of like a, a a governor rather than a president. But we would consider her as a president, so that's possible, and that's a very biblical way that it could happen, since we have seen that happen a million times in history. So that's possible as well, and that would still be through the 25th Amendment, because Assad, would ju- all he would have to do is say, we're keeping the American government, you are the American representative, and we're doing it through your laws, your, reg- your uh, 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 regulations, and through-, through your Constitution, through your 25th Amendment, you are the leader of your nation, and I appoint you as thus through the Constitution of the United States. That's very possible. That is not impossible at all. That is not foolish thinking, that is not insane, that is not weak in any manner because that is a biblical approach that they did take. They even did, when they invaded Israel many times and, and other nations, they did allow Israel to keep their own laws and their own presidents and their own representatives and their own regulations and laws and rules as long as they submitted to the dictators. So that's not out of the question at all. However it happens or don't happen, the the fate of America is still going to be the same. That America will be invaded and eventually we're going to have somebody appointed over America, whether it's Hillary Clinton or not eventually there will be somebody appointed over America under Assad as a governor leader of America that would definitely happen whether it's Hillary Clinton or not and really at the end of the day it doesn't matter about this particular prophecy about Hillary Clinton it really doesn't matter because it has nothing to do with the Ten Commandments. It has nothing to do with the Seventh Day. It has nothing to do with the Holy Days. It has nothing to do with how we love God, how we serve God, how we're obedient to God, how we repent of our sins. It really doesn't matter who is the last president. It doesn't make any difference at all in our relationship and our life with God and our salvation only thing it would mean is I made a mistake and I was wrong about one thing. That's all. It would not prove me as a false prophet in any way, shape, or form because even Peter proclaimed prophecies that were not completely accurate. Even Paul did. Over and over and over, Paul said things that are very clear that he thought that Christ was going to return in his lifetime or very soon after, and Paul was wrong, and Peter was wrong. Many of the apostles and prophets of the Old Testament made the same prophetic mistakes of thinking that God or the Messiah would come in their lifetime. Many of the prophets of the Old Testament thought that too. That's very clear in Scripture. And they were wrong but they were still men of God and they were still prophets of God. People make mistakes. And that is just reality. And we cannot escape reality. Now what I have said about this, is that true or not true? Examine Test I know you must. Test me in and examine. But do so with the totality of Scripture and not just one verse. Do so with the entire Scripture, the entire Bible from A to Z and not just one verse. And do so with the Spirit of God. And not just by the letter of the law, but with the Spirit of God. Test Because I must be tested. You must judge people. You must judge people. And I must also judge you right back. Because if we do not judge one another, then we will be deceived. And we will go down the wrong track. But we have to make judgment. Which is only wise. If you do not judge people, you're a fool. You have to judge people. Otherwise, you're gonna let people run over you, you're gonna let people deceive you, you're gonna let the wrong people in your house is gonna kill you or murder you. You have to have to judge people. That's common sense and wisdom, and that's reality. Amen. Stop following false religion doctrines that says you can't judge no one. As a lie, wisdom and truth agree wisdom and truth agree they are not opposite of one another God would not forbid you from using wisdom he does not forbid us from judging people we have to judge people that we have to judge not hypocritically that's the point don't judge hypocritically Get your own life fixed first. Live for God in the truth. Then, then you can see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. After you have already removed the giant beam from your own eye, then you can see clearly to help your brother and to correct your brother and to help your brother and to judge your brother after you have cleaned up your own life first. That's the true teaching. Of Scripture. To come out of the false doctrines, even more, out of the legalism and out of the one verse theology. Get your foundation solid. Put your eyes on Jesus. Get a passion and work hard this year. Get healthy and strong mentally, spiritually, and physically for this very difficult time ahead of us. Do not grow weary or depressed or sad find the true, unspeakable joy and peace in Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the sermon. You're invited back next week and every week at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time for this broadcast of our live worship services every Saturday at 2 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. After this broadcast, it's only going to take about five minutes or so for this broadcast to be uploaded to the website of the radio station. And then you'll be able to listen to it again or save it onto your computer. Uh, I guess you can't really save it from your computer uh, on the radio website. But once we eventually get it over onto soundcloud.com, then you'll be able to download it on your computer from there. But you can definitely listen to it from the radio website within five minutes or 10 minutes. As far as the sign language videos, that is put on delay until my wife heals up enough to where she can uh, sit in a chair and focus accurately on the sign language without much pain. So we just have that on hold for a while, but we will return back to doing the sign language videos for the deaf Uh, as soon as possible uh, when my wife is able to do so. Thank you for your prayers for my wife. Thank you for your prayers for me. Continue to pray for one another, love one another deeper this year than the previous year. Grow in love, spirit of love, and the spirit of compassion. Prioritize your money, prioritize everything. Now, always put God first. And these people that say they put God first, uh, in these emails, Sajina, Sharda, Seth, No, you're not. You're not putting God first at all. Every one of you are hypocrites. You ain't putting God first. I do call out names because you need it called out. I call out names hoping that you'll wake up and repent and start putting God first. How can you say you put God first when you always don't put God first? Come on, it's one way or another. Accept the chastisement of the Lord. And cast out people from you, even your own sister, even your own brother, even your own parents. Cast them out from you if and when that they are stubborn and rebellious and refuse to repent of their sins. They refuse to repent of their sins. Cast them out. I don't care who they are. I cast out my own dad, my own mom, my own brother. It don't matter who they are. Our true brother. Our true sister are those that do the will of the Father. That's what Jesus said. Instead of just reading the Bible and believe it, we also need to apply it into our lives. It don't do no good to believe the Bible and to believe correct scripture and to believe correct doctrine if we don't want to apply it. You can believe all the truth and all the, have all the head knowledge you want. It don't do no good what you know, what you think, what you believe, unless you apply it to your life. book of James says, don't just be hearers of the word of God, but be doers. And I don't understand why people wouldn't want to do right for God. Because the consequences are life and death. Why wouldn't you want to live? Why wouldn't you want to please Daddy? Why wouldn't you want to please the Father? Why wouldn't you want to please Him and live right? Because there are curses. There are curses when we are disobedient and rebellious. And that includes getting your name called out. There are curses and consequences of being rebellious. And not keeping the law of God. And not cutting God first. You need to step it up. You need to step it up. Amen. Okay. Love you. I really do. See you soon. See you soon. Have a good day. Get some rest. Be happy in the Lord. All of this in Jesus' name. Amen.